1: Welcome, everyone. All of you intentional spirits out there really appreciate the work that you're doing, not only doing your inner work, but promoting ideas and concepts that are changing lives for people on our planet and building dreams. Have you been looking for a film that has the potential to change you and your entire family's life? Are you looking for a story that will bring you to a new place of having courage, stepping out of the box, and being willing to open your heart at a deeper level? Well, I'm happy to report that today we have just the film for you created by the director Patrick Scott involving Therese Davis and her son Terrence Patridge, did I say that correctly, Terence uh, Patridge? Patridge, there we go. The film is called Base Cleft Bliss. It's a feature uh, documentary. It's about the courage to overcome the fears that come with a heart-wrenching diagnosis and the powerful bond of a mother and son who rebuild their lives by doing small things, with great love. Welcome to our show, Patrick and Therese. It's such a pleasure to have you on our show today.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Temple. Thanks
3: for having us.
1: So first and foremost, I I love the art of storytelling. And how did the two of you out of seven point so many billion people in the world have the two of you find each other?
3: Uh, That was uh, a wonderful meeting that day. Uh, Patrick and I met at my uh, workplace because my former office mate invited him to our job to screen his uh, projects that he had already completed that had autism themes. We uh, work for a nonprofit who provides uh, support and services to people with various disabilities. And so my former office mate, Shirley Omori, met Patrick when he screened his two films, short films, El Boilo and With Me uh, in La Jolla. And we loved his films when uh, he came to visit us at our job. And as he was walking out the door, a very unplanned, uh, wonderful, I guess, uh, pitch flew out of my mouth. And I said, have you ever thought about doing any more projects with autism themes? Uh, Have you thought about doing a documentary? And he said he hadn't done a documentary, but he might be open to doing some more projects with an autism theme. And so I said, have you ever heard of a local musician uh, with autism named Terrence Patridge? And he said he hadn't. And I said, "Oh, I got to go upstairs and get a card." And unbeknownst to me, while I was gone, he asked everyone in the room if my son could actually play, and they told him a very enthusiastic yes. Yes, he actually can play. And so from there we met, and that's that's the day the first seed was planted.
1: And Patrick did that um, immediately grab at your heartstrings. I mean, having met, having had the pleasure of meeting you i know that you are a director that guides a lot from your heart did you know right away this was the
3: story for you
2: yes yeah uh when therese wrote raised her hand at the q a there's about uh, 40 or 50 specialist experts in there that, and she asked me just like she said uh are you looking for a, a film a, a documentary and i said yes from the uh parents' point of view, I'd I'd love to do one. And the minute uh, she said, well, my son plays a trombone, I knew that, I I loved her voice, I connected instantly. And I I asked her, I said, well, why don't I meet you afterwards? And she said, no, let me go get my business card. So she walked out the door and everybody was really quiet. It was was hilarious. I wish I had on film. And when the door closed, they all turned to me and I just said, can he play? And they said, oh my God, he can play the trombone. Don't you worry about that. He can play it. It was so funny. (laughs) So I, just I was sold right there, okay, this is going to happen. And, and as you know, you've seen the film, Terrence has a smile that can light up the room. I've been telling everybody that if he ran the world, there would be all peace and bliss and no violence. He's that type of guy.
1: <laughs> no doubt, no doubt about it. And on a side note... Uh, which means very little other than I identify I played uh, trombone in high school. Oh, <laughs> wow. not, I just want to go on record to say it's not the easiest instrument to tote from place to place, nor is it the <laughs> easiest instrument to master, I'm just saying. So it uh, gives me goosebumps just to think about, you know, what he's been able to accomplish. Well, Therese, uh, tell us a little bit, walk us through the story of some of your early experiences with him, and when did you first identify that that he was um, different in in the way of expectations? Uh, well, we're all obviously different on different levels, but how did you connect with there's something going on with Terrence? He
3: was somewhere between two and two and a half, and uh, what I noticed was that the skills that he had acquired acquired, I guess the most prominent skill being language, that that started to fade. So he lost, gradually, he lost the language that he had already acquired, and then he also started doing behaviors that he had never done before, like um, flicking light switches on and off and staring at the lights. Um, He would close cabinet doors repeatedly. Just open shut, open, shut, and do this you know for a long time if I wouldn't stop him, and um, he would also um, line up his toys instead of play with them, and he would get down at very low angles and look at the lines that he would create with the toys so. All these things sort of happened gradually over the course of a year, but they all happened at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we're seeing not just one thing change, but several things change, and um, it was it was very frightening because none of the doctors could give me an answer as to what was going on.
1: And um, at first, they, at first, they didn't identify with it as being autism.
3: No, not at all. Um, I was told everything from he's a boy, he'll grow out of it, uh, to uh, this is a phase, don't worry about it. Um, I was even told that I was in denial, and I had a problem with that because (laughs) I had to tell the people that, um, you know, the agency that told me that. Uh, I said, well, you know, I came to you... uh, you did not come to me, and I am not in denial that something is going on with my son. if I disagree with one of your assessments, that's not denial. Um, So a lot of it was just, you know, kind of that early stage of not knowing, but being determined to find out what was going on, because I knew that I was going to operate in a deficit status if I didn't have some kind of framework. I'm not... Big on quote unquote labels. Right. You know, that's not something that's important to me, but what is important to me is to have a framework with which to work with. And that way I know how to go about addressing, you know, the issue. But I can't do that if I don't know what's going on.
1: Absolutely. Labels are labels and they carry limitations, but at the same time, validation through process is extremely significant, to say the least. It moves us into an entirely different place. And I would imagine just the vulnerability of the uncertainty and the unknown was very, very difficult as you walk through that time. How long did you go through uh, different uh, professionals and different people until you could actually get some kind of validation that this is not passing this is real, I'm not in denial obviously, or you wouldn't have been having even the conversation. How long Mm -hmm. was that process for you?
3: It's about two two or two and a half years. Wow. uh, In terms of going from seeing the first signs to the day of receiving the diagnosis. So he was four when the diagnosis was formally uh, given and that's considered late. Um, So that's just what happened in his case. Uh, But, you know, of course, someone could be diagnosed at at many different ages, but um, I think that um, in our case, it just happened to be that we just had a lot of people who saw different things and didn't really have a, you know, a full grasp of all that was going on. Because the diagnosis affects the entire person. Uh, Affects, You know their their moods, uh, their senses, their ability to communicate, their behaviors, and so in a 10 minute office visit, if someone doesn't see that constellation of symptoms, they're just going to see maybe one thing. So, the day he was diagnosed, it was an eight hour appointment Uh, where we check in in the morning. There were a battery of tests done. We take a lunch break. Have tests in the afternoon, and at the very end of the day, all the professionals came together to give their reports and then to give the diagnosis. Uh, That had to go on record
1: with
2: this story with Therese. I mean, I have a daughter. Most of us are parents and stuff, and uh, I I couldn't imagine it taking two and a half years to find out what's wrong with my child, and uh, so. It it really dictated the opening of the movie because we wanted to put the symptoms in there and have uh, our experts that we're familiar with help inform the audience, hey, if something starts showing up like this, it might be this. It might be autism. It's not an easy diagnosis. And one thing I have not asked Therese, I think I got the answer, is, you know, Terrence is 22, and this was 18 years ago. I mean, how far has learning a diagnosis of autism really come in 18 years. And the other thing is, too, to me, you know, autism is a lifetime diagnosis. It's not like having a child or a relative with a broken arm or maybe prostate cancer or a heart attack. It's with you for life. And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that this film will be very informative to people who are not aware of autism, to help people who are not impacted by autism to become more compassionate towards those that do, and most importantly, to give hope to people who are impacted by autism.
1: And I I see that for you, and I, I have no doubt that this film is, is going to do just that. I mean, for those of you that are listening that... You know, it was the great film, The Blind Side. Um, this is that kind of film that you don't just want to watch once. Uh, you want to watch several times so you can play the role of the different characters and experience truly from a heart place. Uh, what the mom, the son, and all other people were going through at the time. You know, it, it seems that, you know, part of autistic children and and one of the roles, if you will, that they get to play in society is to teach us how to see the genius within and allow our critic to go somewhere on the shelf. Because um, any autistic child I've ever had the good pleasure to know are brilliant beyond our own capacity to understand um it's just absolutely uh fascinating actually temple grandin was the first noted at least to my knowledge of someone that had the characteristics of autism did you explore that um, at all patrick in your work or uh are you familiar with temple grandin and the story about her
2: i know a little bit about her uh, one of the experts uh in our uh, movie Chantel, Cecile Kira, whose son is autistic, and he's been on MTV a lot, I know that Temple has written, she's written, Chantel's written about six or seven books, and I know Temple's written Fords in a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, my focus has been Therese and Terrence, uh, but yes, I know who she is. I've never met her.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's just so, you know, moving to to bring... Um, the knowledge of Terrence and his wisdom and, and ways that are beyond what we can do. And so how did we go to a place, uh, Therese, of, uh, okay, there have been some symptoms and some ways of being that are finally validated. You know, I, I don't get to be called odd or weird anymore. Um, what, what happened after, after that?
3: In terms of uh, just the way we move forward,
1: yes. Uh huh. You got the diagnosis, and because with what you've been able to accomplish through your son, it did take an immense amount of courage not to just accept this is where we are and this is where we're going to stay. How did you make that transition?
3: Um. Well, that that was a transition that had to be made every moment of every day uh, mm-hmm. because. Uh, each day is going to offer different challenges, and you may think that you have uh, maybe met a certain goal or something, but you know, regression is very typical uh, with people with autism. And so you know, sometimes the behaviors and other symptoms can cycle. So you may think that, oh, this one behavior is done. He's not flapping his socks anymore. He'll go a few months. You don't see him doing it. You think, oh, that's great. He doesn't do that anymore. And then you walk in his room one day and he's flapping his socks again. (laughs) So you say, oh, my gosh, is this Groundhog Day or what? What are we doing here? And so um, you have to have um, long-term goals but very uh, short-term focus. And so that may seem a little bit counterintuitive, but you have to be in the moment to be able to respond to what's going on with the person in the moment but be thinking, you know where do I want him to be in five years and ten years and twenty years it's a, It's a hard thing to do, and i no one's perfect at it, but uh, we sort of just uh, you know got the advice of a lot of uh, good therapists, good teachers, sought out other friends that may have been in the same uh, situation, and I just tried to. Uh, gobble up any little speck of knowledge that I could because I was really ignorant about the whole diagnosis. My only exposure to autism was literally the film Rain Man. Um, I couldn't have been more ignorant. So um, understanding that, I just said, "Well, I'm going to, I'm going to take every single second I can to learn about this." And uh, that's kind of what I did. And I spent a lot of time at his school. Uh, I wasn't working full-time at the time because of his symptoms that needed to be addressed. He was up about 21 hours a day, so um, that sleep cycle uh, disruption is sometimes a part of autism as well. So if you have a child who doesn't understand safety uh, issues who's up 21 hours a day, you can't let them just be. (laughs) You could walk out the door, run out into the street, uh, things like that, so... Um, I just sort of had to be with him, but I, you know, at times I had to take the lead, but at other times I had to have him take the lead because he needed to show me what was important to him, and he didn't have words to be able to do that. So he had to lead me, and I had to follow him uh, and walk with him uh, in the way that was necessary at the time. Not always fun. Uh, You know, love demands quite a bit. Uh, It's certainly not, primarily for me, it's not a sentimentality. It's not a a feeling. Uh, uh, Love is really a decision uh, that has to be made. Um, And you have to be willing to put your goals, your wishes, your dreams. Those have to go to the side. And the other person has to come to the fore. And I think that's where you really learn a lot about yourself. (laughs) And you learn uh, the demands of love. And you are changed by it. Um you're not always understood in that process. I um uh, I'm sure that I lost some friends during that time when his behaviors were pretty severe because they didn't understand what was going on and you know, it could be quite disruptive to social gatherings to have tantrums to go on and whatnot, but uh he came first, he comes first now, and I I just have to say that I I really do believe that everything happens for a reason, and I would not be the person I am today had he not had this diagnosis, and um, while it has been a heartbreak and not something that I would quote-unquote wish on anyone else, I am uh, very sure that it is one of the greatest blessings that's ever come into our lives.
1: And that's what I, I, I see underneath the layers of the layering is that the depth in which this film, uh, led by Patrick's leadership and uh, being a great director, as well as you being who you are uh, and who you have become, uh, is just going to just touch people beyond words with the power of what love can do. And during break, I want to urge... Um, those of you to go and go to com, and I want you to look on the home page and there's a photo down at the very bottom of Therese and her son and just the love coming off that photograph (laughs) will do to you what it's done to me. It just brings tears to your eyes because it's just a tremendous amount of love and joy Beyond language, beyond some of our everyday abilities that often we take for granted of what can be developed and what could be established by that true commitment to understand each other. I want to thank all of you for tuning into our show today and for always your invaluable support that you offer to Unity Online Radio, which allows us with your contributions to reach Globally, We're in so many different countries now, people tuning in and listening. We'll be right back after this short break.
4: Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support.
0: Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every
1: day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold
0: me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited
1: wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge
0: from my Christ nature rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to
1: my goals as much as the destination.
4: This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths Live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give daily word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Thank You for listening to The Intentional Spirit Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes.
1: And hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are talking about the film. Base Cleft Bliss, it is the film that has the potential to open your heart in a new and different way. It can change your life. It's important that everyone and every family has a copy of this film because we are all impacted and affected by autism in our society today, either through our immediate family or... Or our chosen family of people that we know and love. It's time for us to learn different angles and different ways and ways in which to connect and to see other possibilities. And so we're talking to the mom, Therese, of her wonderful son Terence, and also the director of the film, Patrick, today online. Um, Patrick, when you do these documentaries, you have so much footage um you have so many photos to go by for your storyboard and those kind of things yet with this particular film you did not have a lot of photos what's the story behind that
2: it it it, we fought a lot about that in a good way i kept (laughs) trying to get them and then finally i asked therese point blank what happened where are they and I think if she gives, let her give her answer because it's a it's a good one. And if, so why don't we have more photos and more videos, Therese?
3: Um Really, the the story behind that is is that once the diagnosis was was given to Terrence when he was four years old that he had autism. Um, we had our days were filled, you know, with he's up twenty one hours a day for about three years and. Um, when there are situations that come up that involve a safety issue, like he's going to dart out into the street or he's going to run down a flight of stairs or something, particularly when he had mobility difficulties due to, due to the, uh, you know, the sensory problems, um, that he had, uh, my focus was on keeping him safe. It was not on, let's take a video or let's take a photo my head was not in that place. So we have several years there that we don't have video, we don't have photos. It wasn't in my uh, desire or it really didn't come to me to say, oh, uh, let me take a picture while he's having a 45-minute tantrum or let me set up the video uh, so that we can get a picture of him, you know, running out into the street or something. And, you know, safety is the priority. Safety comes first. And so um, it's not, you know, we didn't have, like, smartphones then, so it's not like I just pull out my phone and take a video. And, you know, if I were in that position now with a child running out into streets or possibly wandering too close to a lake, because we were in the Seattle area then, uh you know, bolting straight to dive off into a pool or something. I'm that my head would not be to grab my phone. So we have some photos from when he was younger, some video when he was like an infant, and then we don't have a lot of pictures. And then when he gets like into the grade school area, when his behaviors had pretty much um, really evened out a lot, then we started having some more photos and things like that. So mm. that posed. You know, an unnecess you know, an un- unintended difficulty for the filmmakers, of course. Um, but I think that Patrick and his entire creative team did an excellent job with what they did have to use.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. That's for sure. And as you're watching it, uh, all of you that are participating with us today, you'll see that that very thing. And it reminds me in in somewhat similarities of um, distant relatives that were post Katrina in Chalmette and St Bernard, and they had lost everything. And and people in other states were going. It's horrible, yes, but they can go to the store and they can get new stuff and we'll send them money. And it's like, no, you don't understand. There are no stores to go to people. (laughs) You know? And
3: it's but if you're trapped on a roof you can't get to the store.
1: You won't be going to uh, the store. It's
3: interesting you bring up that Katrina reference because uh, my godparents' parents were actually lost. Uh, for a few days when Katrina was going on, and uh, they were found underneath a bridge. And I, I sometimes reference Katrina because I say, you know, you know, the storm, in our lives, the storm has sort of passed, but we're in the rebuilding stage. You know, yes. The storm that comes, it's devastating, but then it does pass, and so then you have to rebuild with the knowledge that you gained from surviving the storm. So, I'm hoping to be able to, with this film and hopefully with the book that Patrick and the other producers would like me to write, uh, I'm hoping to just be able to pass on some wisdom and maybe some shortcuts, even uh, to help people. As Patrick has said before, uh, one of his goals is to save parents hours and hours and hours of time if they could just get uh, to see the film. Then maybe some questions would be answered and you know get a little bit of a better focus on how to strategize and move forward.
1: And so what I'm gonna say is I look forward to reading the book that you will be writing. Okay, yes. Um, yes. Thank you,
3: thank
0: <laughs> you.
1: That's in the affirmative. That's in the affirmative because um, You know, one of the the words that I I like to live by is the word compassion. And if you break down that word in a way that makes it a broader visionary look is come, pass it on. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so in that, um, you know, help the world have compassion by your story. You know, and...
3: That that would be a wonderful thing because the world is in great need of that. Yes. Um, As, uh, you know, as we see with, you know, the the people who uh, are sometimes to the margins are often forgotten. Um, The poor, uh, the disabled. um,
1: The homeless. Anyone
3: who is basically somehow not what... Society thinks of as the norm, right? Um, can sometimes be, um, you know, really just forgotten. Um, and so we just want to bring out with this film a small reminder to people that really nobody can be written off. We cannot exactly. afford that because we need each other. Uh, it's not this only this certain group over here matters. Um, no. Everyone has a gift to bring. I think the primary gift is just themselves. And I have to say that Patrick gave of himself in a way that I don't really have a lot of words for. It's sort of, you can see it in the film, to think that we met as strangers and then we were able to come together and create this film. Uh, it says a lot about his heart and his compassion. Uh, because if he didn't have that, honestly, I have to tell you, I'm pretty good at reading people <laughs> with their intentions. And if he didn't have that, we probably would have just spoken in a passing way, and I would never have mentioned my son to him. But uh, his compassion comes across in all of his projects, and so we were able to grow—not even just professionally together. We're—I—I would—I feel very comfortable in saying we're more like family at
1: this point mm-hmm. um, oh yeah
0: oh yeah
2: yeah that's, that's I was gonna say we're at the point of no return because Terrence and I are tight <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I'm trying to pollute him a little bit you know so it's, it's, Therese have to watch that so.
3: <laughs> there and, is,
2: and, I have something a uh, template uh, that was very interesting I think that also you guys were just talking about this a little bit the public conception of people with special needs, and all that. And I think the number one thing, and Therese will correct me if I'm wrong, and she does frequently, but I think that um, one of the number one things you see if you are not, a, you don't know what autism is is the temper tantrums uh, mm-hmm. in public and the pressure that puts on the parent. And I thought it, it's interesting to hear what Therese talks about, how she talks about why the temper tantrums, why they have them, and then why Terrence goes towards the trombone. I think they're connected.
3: they very much. The Tantrums with people with autism can happen for many different reasons because each person with autism, of course, is a unique individual. Uh, But if the sensory environment is too overstimulating, that can trigger a tantrum. So a light being too bright or sound being too loud and unexpected or too much movement or extremely bright colors, these kinds of things can be triggers for tantrums. And so people don't often know how to read those. So sometimes the parents get labeled as, you know, you're not disciplining your child. Uh, you know, you get, need to get your child under control there. Um, don't you care about the way your child is in public? Um, and, you know, like, let's say if he's going to take a bath or something or a shower, gets in the shower, if he doesn't have any language, verbal language, and that water is too hot or too cold, there's a tantrum for you right there because of the fact that that is the way to communicate. The behavior is the communication when the language Skills improve, usually the tantrums decrease. So I say usually because it's not a guaranteed thing, uh, but you know, like a super loud noise. Like before we knew that he had autism, turn on the vacuum cleaner, immediate meltdown. Uh, motorcycles, if you're out at a red light and your window's down and a motorcycle pulls up next to you, immediately when that, you know, that motorcycle is, is, you know, zooming off or something, screams coming from the back of the car. And you have no idea why (laughs) before you know what the diagnosis is. Then after the diagnosis and you start learning what is setting your child off, you can sort of be a little bit preventive, but you certainly can't control the environment at all times. Um, But you, you sort of have to be a little bit, um, I would say, protective um, just because of the fact that these things actually can frighten, startle, and may even actually be painful to the person with autism. Um, And so you just, you have to walk with them through that and get them the therapy that they need to try to help their senses to integrate. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes a long haul. You know, uh, that's not something that's, you know, easily fixed.
1: Absolutely. And autistic children also have the capacity to teach people how to learn, how to tolerate their own inner darkness, which we have the tendency to want to avoid. Stop the crying, stop the tantrum, stop the uncomfortable. And and that, and this film, I think, offers uh, such a window of what can be possible. Well, fortunately for him, he met up with a high school music teacher that could see a bigger and broader focus about his life. Um, Was that a, a one time incident? Did it happen over time? the discovery of that he actually has perfect pitch, how did that come about?
3: Um, Well, the the high school music teacher, Tamara Page, is definitely the person who figured that out, figured out that he had uh, the perfect pitch.
1: Did Uh, she work with him him independently, or did she spend extra time with him, or was it in a classroom setting?
3: They were in a classroom setting, and uh, it was a very unexpected thing that, came up one day, and she describes it beautifully in the film, but basically, I think they were literally just going through a song, and somehow Terrence just started, you know, kind of vocalizing what the notes were, which was a very unusual kind of thing for the teacher to experience, and she said, you know, I'm wondering if he's possibly hearing this, uh, you know, in a way that is a little different than everyone else, and so she tested him, and she just she found out that he did have the, the perfect pitch, which is a a pretty uh, rare gift. Uh, I think it's what is it? One in ten thousand. One in ten thousand.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. We did we did uh, four takes of that temple in the movie, and uh, he did eleven notes per take, and he was only forty four out of forty four. And the last the last take, uh, I threw four sharps at him. I think about the second sharp. You can see the grin on his face. He he says, "Patrick's <laughs> trying to trick me, and I got him." And he did. He nailed it. It was great.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that is so awesome! And, and in that, just, I love that, Patrick. That's a that's a a great. <laughs> that's Terrence.
2: That's what. That's just a, a, a simple shot of Terrence. Just one shot of him. <laughs>
1: Well, I remember when I met you in March in a different setting, and, um, well, I actually interviewed you a bit about the film then, and it had just changed your life. It had literally changed your life, and I could, you were in love. You know, you were beyond that I've directed this great film, and I have an interest in it, and I'd like to see it do well, but you were so connected with the with the family and the story, and I, I applaud you for that and being Thank a wait and, you know, bringing this to the forefront of, of what we need. It's so important. This wonderful film, Bass Clef Bliss, a wonderful uh, documentary, The courage to overcome the fears that come with a heart-wrenching diagnosis called autism. I want to thank all of you for listening in today and go to that website, Base Cleft Bliss. We will be right back after this short break. If you love these conversations, you can join me at templehays.com or unitycampus.org. We'll be right back.
0: He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way-shower, a mythical hero? In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program
4: that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents.
0: Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org.
4: It's Kitchen Table Karma. Make kind food choices. Watch more good come into your own experience. Feed your body with bright, fresh, colorful foods from nature and develop the glow of radiant health. Learn how to easily reap these benefits in your life with Victoria Moran's latest book, The Good Karma Diet. Eat gently, feel amazing, age in slow motion. Including stories from real people whose dietary change graced their lives in remarkable ways. Plus, 40 delectable superfood recipes from culinary alchemist Doris Finn. Available wherever books are sold, as a print edition, an ebook, or a deluxe Kindle or Nook book with 30 minutes of audio-visual extras. The Good Karma Diet. Share the love and love your life.
0: We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome
1: back, everyone, and thank you for joining us as we're talking about this tremendous film, Bass Clapless And Patrick Scott, the director, filmmaker, how has this film changed you?
2: It's made me, uh, no question, become more tolerant, aware, and compassionate towards anybody I see with special needs, or who I think might have a special need, and to think about how lucky I am. And if, for example, if someone's in a movie theater and someone starts crying, even if it's a baby, I don't care. I just hope that family gets over whatever it is, because that's what it's all about. Is this film is to help people become more aware that hey, there's a 67 out of 68 families do not have autism. But as one of the experts said in our film, it does affect all of us. It's not a their problem. It's an our problem. And we can help by being more compassionate and not making a snide remark or making a joke of somebody that's born with something they didn't want to be born with.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Therese, um, yes. I can only imagine with your taking a stand and your involvement, how you've become aware of how many people are impacted by autism, whether they're connecting with it or not. It, it's all around us. It's in uh, the, all the schools, the, the anything with uh, spiritual community, with churches, with wherever we are, we are impacted by it. How? What do you have to share with us regarding autism? how we deal with it, where we go with it, et cetera, while we await your book to be written, I'm just saying. (laughs) Um,
3: I think that where we go with it um, has to start with uh, just an openness and an awareness to the fact that we actually benefit from, opening our minds and our hearts to people who are different because they will often teach us things that we don't know, and we can sometimes teach them things that they don't know. And so that growth and that exchange is is something that creates a more beautiful reality for everyone involved. So, you know, I think that, yes, there's heartache involved, uh, maybe some discomfort, um... You know, your your life may go in a direction you, that you don't uh, expect, but, you know, we we have to understand that, you know, everyone is here for a reason. I don't believe that anyone is here without a purpose. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, we cut ourselves off. Uh, from having better lives when we dismiss entire segments of our population. Um, So when we are maybe in a public place, we're talking about libraries, churches, schools, you know, restaurants, things like that. You might see, you know, maybe a child now having a temper tantrum similar to what Terrence would have, and we're talking about really high-pitched screaming, maybe throwing things, uh, Uh, flipping over a plate, uh, throwing something maybe. Uh, You know, yes, these are very unexpected behaviors, and we just certainly don't want anybody hurt. Um, But maybe just to not uh, immediately go to the most negative possible response, but to be, as Patrick just said, a little bit more aware that, wow, that's someone having a really hard time. I hope that their family can help them. Um, you know, I think that just having that attitude, the people in the room, they can actually feel that that sense of acceptance and compassion. Because I'm telling you, I've been places where I, I definitely know the people were not open. And at times in my life where I haven't necessarily been as uh, selective about my words, let's put it that way, um, I may have said something to the people, um, you know, when I see their reaction. Um, but I just learned that, you know, that doesn't help anything either. Um, my focus needs to remain on my child, keeping my child safe, and that example is what is left with the person. I don't need to get into a, you know, back and forth with someone. Uh, it's totally counterproductive. So um, <clears throat> in terms of moving forward, I just hope that, you know, maybe people take a look at the film. Maybe pick out a couple things in there that you might want to share with someone else, Um, see how that affects your ability to talk about the topic. Think about, you know, the educators, the doctors, the therapists, all these people that we have supporting people with disabilities and and autism in particular. And, you know, think, you know, well, this is is a community and, you know, maybe there's some way I can get involved in this community. Uh, I can just think of things off the top of my head would just be to uh, learn a little bit more about it, Um, not be so judgmental if you see somebody having a a meltdown. If you know somebody who has a child with autism, maybe say, hey, do you want to go out to lunch one day? I mean, the normal social interactions that everybody takes for granted are often cut off for people with autism and their families because they can be disruptive just Flatly. They they can be disruptive and unpredictable. But if you go and say, you know, I'm gonna reach out to these people and if they say no, we can't go out, say, well maybe you know we can do a potluck. I can come over, we can do a little potluck and maybe you know, watch a fun movie or you know, we can go and walk down the street and get, you know, get a ice cream or you know, something that seems so trivial and so normal means a lot to people who are isolated because of the circumstances in their lives. So the little things I found are really the big things. And so that's what I hope that people can take away from this.
2: See Temple, we wanted to write the book. This is a small <laughs> example right here. I mean.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's absolutely right. It's so crucial and so essential. So what are the opportunities that Terrence has now? Uh, because of his ability to be such I mean, with his perfect pitch and his talent in playing the trombone, uh, where will he be able to go in his life now that he has this recognized uh, gift?
3: If you're talking, like you know, in terms of his music career or studies, uh-huh. like right now he's studying at a community college. He's uh, getting a he's trying to earn a certificate in music theory, and he would love to be a sound engineer as a career, so that he could you know, have some money while he does his his true passion is, of course, to play music. So because the music world is extremely competitive, um, you know, I want him to just, I want him to love what he does. He's playing with the youth youth orchestra now. Um, I just want him to keep learning about music. He's, you know, branching out into the piano. Uh, So he's learning more about music through playing the piano and taking his music theory courses. And my thing is I just want him to love what he's doing. So if he keeps the bliss going, then all these other doors are going to open because I'm telling you five years ago we had no clue that this was going to come into our lives, the meeting Patrick, uh, the film. We, we didn't have any. We we wouldn't have been able to guess that at all. Um, so my hope is that he will uh, also give back. That's extremely important. Service is extremely important to our family. Um, so I want him to find some way that he can help other people. And I think he's he's doing that right now mostly, um, you know, with his family and friends and things. But he has a very giving heart, and so I'm sure he'll find some kind of way to serve um, because it's extremely important. He's received much, and so he needs to give much, and I think that he gets a lot of joy from that. Um, and so I think the rest is is pretty much on the horizon. We could pretty much pick anything And I think that he, as long as he remains in his, you know, love of what he's doing, I I really can't say there's any limits on him. Not that I can see.
2: (laughs) Tamara Page, who has been so influential in his life, has said in the movie a beautiful line that said, and she smiled when she said it, as you know, Temple, she said, you're not the same after you've met Terrence. And you're really not. It's just a whole new experience meeting him. And his smile can light up a room and change the world, no question about it.
1: Nor am I the same, and I'm sure no one else is after listening to this phenomenal interview that we've had today because of the two of you and your love and dedication to this film, Bass Cleft Bliss. Reminding everyone to go to the website, Bass Cleft Bliss, find out more, stay in touch, and I guarantee you, Therese, we're going to have you on this radio show when you get that book done, thank you both okay. of you for coming okay. into my world today and for touching our hearts. And thank you for being on the show. And I just see this film being everywhere, all over the world. Thank you for being here.
3: Thank you so thank much you. for having us. Thank you, Temple. Thank you.
1: God bless you.
3: Bless you. Thank God you. Bless you.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Intentional Spirit: Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehayes.org. inspiration only takes a moment we invite you to consider these words from unity author charles roth live deeply in the present moment if you are going to work on the premise that real energy real excitement that feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted being at home in those far reaches of inner space Peace is power, for out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace.
4: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. It's Kitchen Table Karma. Make kind food choices. Watch more good come into your own experience. Feed your body with bright, fresh, colorful foods from nature and develop the glow of radiant health. Learn how to easily reap these benefits in your life with Victoria Moran's latest book, The Good Karma Diet. Eat gently, feel amazing, age in slow motion. Including stories from real people whose dietary change graced their lives in remarkable ways. Plus, 40 delectable superfood recipes from culinary alchemist Doris Finn. Available wherever books are sold, as a print edition, an ebook, or a deluxe Kindle or Nook book with 30 minutes of audio-visual extras. The Good Karma Diet. Share the love and love your life. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free, every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, here on
0: Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran.